let justice roll like a river. Now, that phrase is actually from the Bible, but I wanted to play a little trivia game to see if you could identify which book of the Bible it was from. So what I want you to do is, if you're watching on Facebook, I want you to vote with us. If you think that this line is from the book of Psalms, you're gonna give, push the little thumbs up button. If you think it's from the book of Micah, you're going to push the little heart button. If you think it's Amos, you're going to do the laughy face. And if you think it's the gospel of John, you're going to do the wow face, the surprise face. And so go ahead and vote there. Um, now, while you are voting and all of the votes are coming in, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually share the context for this book. This is a book of the Bible that is from the writing of a person from the Old Testament. So Gospel of John, you're out. It's writing from a person in the Old Testament. Now this person is calling out the nation of Israel for failing to be who it was they were created to be, for failing to do what they were supposed to do. See, what they had done is they were supposed to be this image of God, reflect the image of God to the entire nations. But what they had done instead was they started worshiping money and sex and economic profit instead. They started not taking care of the poor, the widow, the orphans, or the immigrants. And so this prophet named Amos had to come and call the people out. He was sent by God to speak up. So question, did you get it? Did you vote correctly? Did you vote Amos? If you put in a laughy face, you got it right. See, what Amos did was he called Israel's worship a sham. He said, listen, you keep coming to church and you keep offering sacrifices and you keep, um, you keep offering sacrifices and you keep calling on the name of God, but really your worship is completely meaningless. It's meaningless because it is totally disconnected from the way that you are treating people. See, here's the deal. True worship of the one true God results in our lives being completely changed, which means that the places that we inhabit are completely changed, which means the people that we inhabit those places with, that their lives are also completely changed. And Amos is saying that when we truly worship God, the results are like water rushing over a dried, cracked riverbed. When we worship God, it restores and it brings life. In Amos chapter five, it says this, but let justice roll like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. True worship of God results in justice and righteousness flowing like a river into the places and to the people with which we um, live, work, and play. True worship brings life. True worship results in revival. And true worship only happens when we're in a relationship with God and it's transforming us and it's transforming every relationship that we have, that revival and life and transformation aren't things that we can just force. They're actually, they're, they don't happen because we sang the song or we watched the service or anything like that. They happen as a result of having a real and vibrant relationship with God that always starts with the movement of God. See, this is why this song repeats that cry of like, God, move, or this declaration of when you move. Like, look at these words. It says, when you move, darkness runs for cover. When you move, the outcast finds 
Uh, when you move, no one's turned away. When you move, the outcast finds a family. When you move, the orphan finds a home. So come, move, let justice roll like a river, let worship turn into revival. Lord, lead us back to you. Now, for a second, let's just recall when it is in the biblical narrative that we see God move first. Can you think of what it is? When does it say that God first, first moves? Do you know? Can he say it? The first book, in the first chapter, in the first two verses. In the book of Genesis chapter one, the first two verses say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God moved over the waters. Now in Hebrew, the word moved is rahaf, rahaf. So go ahead, say it, it's real fun, rahaf, right? And so now the next time your dog barks, you know that he's just telling you to move, rahaf. And more than that, he's speaking Hebrew, which is a little weird, but it's true, your dog speaks Hebrew, rahaf. See, when God rahaf, he is moving, and it's not a move that just means that he's moving from one place to the next, but instead, rahaf is the moving like the hovering. It's the moving like an eagle hovers and broods over their nest as the eggs are about to hatch. They flap their wings like this in order to create air and space in order to help those little eggs hatch and to help them come to life. And so when God rough. He is moving, and it's a moving that alerts you and expects that something is happening any moment now. So when you sense that God is hovering over the darkness, when he is hovering over something that is empty or formless, you know that something big is about to change. You see, in Genesis, when God is hovering rough over the waters, he speaks, let there be light, and there is light. He speaks, let there be land, and there is land. He speaks, and something happens. He transforms nothing into something, and that is the movement of God. Moving is the beginning of God's creative activity to transform. And when God moves, it marks that chaos is about to come to order, that darkness is about to become light, that fear is going to turn into praises, that loneliness is about to turn into belonging, that those who are in displaced are about to get a home. This is the movement of God, this is the power of him moving because when God moves, darkness runs for cover. When God moves, no one's turns away. When God moves, the outcast finds a family and the orphan finds a home. And so we cry out and we sing together in this song, so come move, come move. We know the chaos of this world. We know the darkness and the formlessness that is all around us. And we need the spirit of God to hover over all of this and create something, to create something new that is good. Now, the number one thing that inhibits the movement of God in us and in our world is actually our desire to set up our own kingdom. 
It's to make ourselves ruler and king over our own lives, over the places that we inhabit. When we're king, we oftentimes don't think that we need God to come because we think, oh, no, no, I've got this handled. I can control this. And if God comes, he's going to wreak havoc on this kingdom that I have set up. We think that we can move better than God can move. But true worship is this cry to God that asks him to come and to move. It requires us to lay down our crowns and our kingdom, to let go of the belief that we think we can move better than God can, that, that to, to cry out and say, we surrender, we surrender all the kingdoms and all of the crowns to you, Heavenly Father. And that is why this song says, King of all generations, let every tongue and nation surrender all to you alone. And really, that cry for surrender, it includes you and me. It's a cry that you and me have to cry out to surrender our crowns and our kingdoms. Now, some of us have really never made a decision to surrender our kingdom to God. But if you want God to move, if you want the chaotic places in your life to change. If you want justice to come to our world, you have to surrender all to God. You have to make him king. And today, I'm praying that you would make that decision. Now, some of us are in a place where we have already made that decision, but over time, what has happened is maybe it's because of the chaos of this moment we've said, we've sort of gotten a little crazy and we've said, gosh, I have to hold on to everything. I have to control everything. I have to hold on to in the midst of all this chaos and build my own kingdom once again, because I'm not totally sure that God is in control. I'm not totally sure that his kingdom is bigger. And so I'll try to build my own kingdom instead of surrender everything to the one who controls everything the one who is sovereign over all things and asking him to move once again. And for if that's you, I'm praying that today would be a day when you would open your clenched fists and ask God to move. To ask God to move in your workplace to move in a relationship, to move in a marriage, to move in your kids' lives, to move in our culture, to move in this country because what we need more than anything is for God to move. And, and so what we're gonna do now is I'm gonna have the band come up again and we are going to, they're going to play this song and we're gonna all sing it together. And I know it might be awkward. You might be the only one in your living room or you might have other people walking around or you might be on a walk or you might be three or four people out in the parking lot. But what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to come and sing this song to allow all of our breath and all of our hearts to experience unity and for us to cry out to God, move in us so that our worship might roll like water on a dry river bed. So let's pray and then we'll sing together. Father God, we are so incredibly grateful that you are a God that is not far and distant, that you are a God who doesn't say, hey, work it all out, who, who didn't create us and then leave us, 
But instead, in this moment, you are saying, cry out to me. Surrender your kingdoms. I'm waiting to move once again. Father God, we are asking that you would create something new in every single one of us. That as we sing together, you would hear the calls of your people crying out to you saying, come, Lord, move. Because we know when you move, everything changes, everything transforms. So be with us now. Hear the cries of your people. Amen.